Podcast yo, yo, yo. With me, Andy White, and the disabled Xboxer, Martin Theobald. Xboxer, yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're finished. Um, <laughs> disabled. <laughs> well, I don't suppose you call whiplash dis- a disability, but, you know, injured. Injured, maybe I should change it to that, yeah, which would be the more... would accept that. ...more traditional and, frankly, correct thing to say. <laughs> disabled, yeah. We will talk about uh, the Anthony Joshua and... Uh, Whatever his name was, fight. Yeah, my undercard. <laughs> we will talk about all the other stuff that happened in the undercard. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao versus Tim Bradley, and we'll look at a few more of the news and upcoming. But first, we need to speak about uh, the big, big fight on Skyboxers. People have probably read it on Sky Sports News. They've and seen it. They've seen it on um, the replays. If they paid for, yeah, premium premiere boxing, yeah, uh, or something. box office plus, yeah, they, <laughs> they'd have seen the main event. Martin Theobald versus Andy Smith. Yeah. Um, where you took on a freight train, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a human freight train. Um, he did really well. Martin did really well. Um, he's bound, well, actually, no, Martin, he probably would be willing to say that by himself. But on this occasion, I think he might be a bit more reserved. He did really well. Um, and this guy hit real hard. Uh, that was perfectly illustrated by the fact that at some point your head was vert- it's horizontal behind it, you. It nearly it? went for a walk off my body. Now that I've seen the photos and the video back of it, that was some um, serious punching. <laughs> and what would happen is this guy um, Andy Smith would like um, come along. It was very very square. I mean, you've seen some agricultural boxes. I said if this guy was any more agricultural, he'd have been a tractor because he was like square <laughs> on. My mate at one point said to me watching, he went, is this guy a Southpaw? I said, I literally can't tell because he just seems to just throw whichever guard yeah. is closest to you with maximum power. Um, it's hard. I mean, his guard was just up by his face. Yeah. And he just, and once he threw these punches, one, two, three, and then that's it. You just wrapped him up, which I thought was good because that was literally... He my didn't, only fucking option. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a miller, I suppose. That's what he looked like to me. He didn't... It wasn't tactical anyway. Maybe that, maybe that's something that's called Miller, but it was. It wasn't tactical by any measure. I think he was a counter puncher. That's all he had. Um, but he was a heavy gambler. He was yeah, good at it. <laughs> <laughs> but he did really well. Yeah. Mine did really well. Worked him around the ring. Um, and uh, yeah, picked his punches. And I, I gave you two two rounds to to. I wouldn't even say one. I'd have said a draw, but whatever. Two rounds. Yeah. To one. I, I, yeah. Personally, like I. I thought it was a draw, but I got given it on the point. So uh, yeah, cheers, ref. Um, <laughs> uh, what was so? So what was your experience then for those people who might be listening to this who are thinking about going into it, or whatever? Right, so it's a long process, you know, eight weeks. But then, like the day itself is long, and yet it kind of flies by in some way. So you know, you get there one o'clock. The first fight isn't till five. You do a little ring parade and whatever, and it makes you feel like a professional boxer for the day. Because, <clears throat> like, production-wise... I don't know, I didn't watch a lot of it, if I'm honest. I, I'm back in the changing rooms and whatever. I spent a bit of time chatting with a few people out there. But it looked and, like, felt, production-wise, like it's a quality show. 
I don't, you know, you spectated. I don't know what your. Um, I would have said, yeah. I mean, given that it's, and it always is. I mean, we've been to what three, four, five four. of these. Yeah, something. We've, yeah, um, of these now, and they're always either at a leisure centre or a local nightclub or basically an an area that's <clears throat> an area that's capable. Excuse me of of hosting an event such as this. It went for a leisure centre this time, and I was sceptical at first, but actually it was it was better. They had two rings set up. Um, and if anything, it, what it had to... I didn't think of it as any sort of amateur show or anything. What it was almost <laughs> like... sort of standard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like a festival of boxing. That's what it felt like. If, you was, if there was such a thing as a festival of boxing, that's what it was like. Because you had... You know, sometimes you go to these events and it's... And much the same as if you went to see, like, a football tournament or whatever. Yeah. You could come to and from... You know, even if you went to see one team with your mate in it, you'd probably watch the other matches. You go, you'd go for a beer, come back again. I yeah. suppose maybe like a bit of a, like a music festival. There's music going on all the time, and you can dip in and out as you please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what it felt like, and it was for uh, for me. And I've been to what a, a few, fair few shows over the last few years now. It it was it was um, uh, all right. Obviously, it's different because the boxing isn't the same quality, but I liked it. It was a it was a different. It was a nice change of pace and. And it was it certainly improved from the last few, the last time yeah, you did it in, I would that, agree. in the nightclub. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's big. It's one and a half thousand people that were there, and like that's <laughs> quite daunting. Although you don't yeah. really notice it, if I'm perfectly honest. Like you know, when you make your ring walk, my main focus because when they take you on a ring parade at the beginning to kind of get the red and the blue teams into separate rings, you wouldn't have seen that because it was right, right at the beginning. Okay, yeah. Um, and I realised at that point how steep the steps were to get up into the ring. So, like, my ring walk it completely entailed me just concentrating on not falling on my ass, getting up to the ring. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I was bothered about. Um, yeah, you don't really notice it. The only people you really hear are the uh, the corner people that you've got as you're kind of in the ring. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, it makes you feel like a... It gives you that feeling of what a professional... Same as if you went and played football at Wembley for like, you know, if you won a tournament or whatever, you got to go and play at Wembley for, for a night. Um, so, okay, uh, let me ask you some um, what might seem basic questions. I'm kind of coming for it from a lame's perspective. Someone maybe who's not a massive boxing fan, but is interested more in this side of things rather than, say, watching or spectating. Um It begs the question whether they listen to this podcast in the first place. But <laughs> <laughs> see, fools. Um why um is it hard I suppose it's the hardest thing like it's three two minute rounds so six minutes piece of piss surely <laughs> like it isn't at all it's you get to the end of that first round and you go back to your corner and if it wasn't for those corner people like giving you a quick pep talk calm you down you, there's no way you would get through it at all like, how long do you get in each corner a minute right, and that minute like the two minutes in the ring in the round is 10 minutes in your head it feels so long and then you get back to the corner and that one minute just flies by and you <laughs> you're back out again it's so it's painful um you know yeah i got hit hard <laughs> uh, uh, it's two days since it's happened now you still feel i feel like i've got whiplash yeah. like, that's the best way of putting it and i was chatting with the fellow afterwards in the changing rooms and he said like he was surprised i was still stood up after i took his right hand which to be honest, like, it's not a conscious decision to stand up. It's just, 
you know, I'm a fairly determined person or whatever. And like, I grabbed hold of him and he probably held me up to an extent. Because <laughs> you don't consciously go, I need to keep my legs engaged here and stand yeah. on my feet. You just go, fuck. Not the same way as you don't have the conscious ability to stay, like, to, to fall over. You just drop. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. You're going to drop. Um, so that's probably the nearest I've ever been to being dropped <laughs> off of a single punch. Um, and yeah, like my wife was there. I don't know. Did you stand with her? And not at the actual fight. Yeah, didn't. they, they went. <coughs> off, I think they'd uh, repositioned themselves because there was some ring confusion. It's yeah, not really that interesting yeah. for our listeners. But um, we didn't end up seeing. We just we, we and we got some chairs. Amazingly, which <laughs> again, people listening to this won't realize the context. But people are there from like half past four in the afternoon, and if you stay there for the entire time, you're watching seven. Like I say, like a festival of boxing, like seven hours yeah. of boxing, and. Whilst your fight was one of the better ones for quality, some of them are painful, like in in how boring they are and how ridiculous they are. And there's only a few of them you can watch with sort of like a detached feel of of, of amusement of oh, you know these two guys are terrible. Before the seventh fight, you watch of that, yeah, <laughs> it's just, and like it's agonising. Yeah, having trained with these people for eight weeks, like the ones that I watched, I had a vested interest in. Like yeah. you know, I want to see how they get on. Whereas I've been to the ones where somebody else is boxing. I don't know those people for eight weeks. If I'm honest, I'm stood there thinking someone knocked someone else the yeah, fuck out. Yeah. Like, Let's make this <laughs> course, interesting. Yeah. Um, whereas I didn't really want to see anyone get knocked out, particularly whilst I was there. Okay, then let's move on uh, to the smaller fights that happened on Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, and before we do, can I just say like a big uh, thank you to everyone that's involved in the, the stuff from the weekend? Uh like the trainers at Total Dojo, which is a place in Milton Keynes, like fantastic, and I think we raised nineteen grand for cancer research out of it. So that's pretty good. It's Most good of going. that was my nineteen grand donation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah yours was the eighteen nine 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 donation. <laughs> Someone else topped it up. What well I mate. Um, so, uh, and also, like, just a, as a as a sort of spectator, as I've watched now, Martin did this twice, and two other friends did, and hashtag it's, undefeated. It's a br- <laughs> it's a brilliant night. Obviously, if they get the the venue choice correct, then it's an absolutely brilliant night, really. So I'd recommend anyone who fancies doing it to get involved. So you're it's... up in how long? <laughs> no, <never>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not something that's on the uh, menu for me. I'll fucking sign you up. Let's, uh, let's move on to the, like I said, the smaller fights that concern... Some bloke of an asbo. Oh yeah, the former drug dealer, <laughs> uh, Andy Joshua. Uh, so, what did you think to it? Well, we watched it together, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I just, what a load of shit! <laughs> All round, right? <laughs> Let's cut to the chase. Yeah. There was nothing on Saturday night that was good. It was pretty c- poor. <laughs> I don't know what else you can say about it. The undercard was a load of dross. Um, I mean, Lee Selby against Eric Hunter, that was probably the most exciting fight of the entire night, just because Selby got dropped early doors. And then he dominated the fight from then on, and like never looked like really hurting Hunter. Hunter was getting pissed off and whinging to the ref. But it, was, it wasn't great. Jamie McDonnell, that was a... Awful fight, frankly. Like the guy who'd been flown over from Mexico at five days' notice. Awful. That Hunter, I thought Hunter. Going to the Hunter, uh, I thought he he had some power in his shots, and I, I was actually you know thinking he might have dropped him again. But um, 
that's probably the most interesting part about that fight. I didn't really find much else interesting no, in it. No, And the reason I mention that is because that's probably one of the most interesting aspects of the whole... The whole night. The whole night, really. Yeah. Um, what else was it? It's George Groves' fight. That was a shambles. Like, yeah. David Brophy turns up undefeated from Scott. I think we'd said before about, is he going to be another Gary Cornish? He lasted slightly longer than Gary Cornish did against Joshua, but threw about as many punches. Dreadful. Um... So, if we... Yeah. Connor Ben. <laughs> Connor, why was Connor Ben put on like near the top of a pay-per-view on his debut? And, like, the guys had... This is, like, 20 amateur fights, and it showed. Like, he was getting tagged by this journeyman foreigner who was shit. And like and Sky obviously ignore it in their commentary because they're not meant to point out flaws in their own fighters. But what was he doing on there? He should be introduced slowly. On yeah, he did. It did seem like when he said, "Oh, I'm buzzing. I can't wait to go. I'll fight every month." This was the case. Yeah, well, most people on their debuts don't fight in front of five thousand people. Or if whatever. his name was Barry Smith, okay. So the obvious <laughs> comparison to draw um, is between Eubank and Ben. Mainly because of their dads, and, and let's face it, the only reason he was there in the position he was the other night is because his dad, like yeah. you just alluded to there. How did Chris Eubank start his career? Like, was it anything remotely like that? Junior. I mean, on his debut, was Chris he... Eubank Junior? Yes, yeah, sorry. Right. Um, yeah, he didn't have that same. He wasn't on pay per view. He was there was buzz about him because it's Chris Eubank's son, but he was lower down the cards, and he was introduced slower, like. That was a joke. Mm. <laughs> Absolute joke. I'm pretty convinced his opponent was probably paid not to come back out for the second round just to make him look better. <laughs> like, honestly, I that would not surprise me at all. That was a shambles of a fight. Like, yeah, Conor Ben looked, he had a bit of power about him, but he's ragged. And like, he shouldn't be in that position on a pay-per-view card. It was a joke. Uh, the whole thing was a joke, and then we come on to Anthony Joshua, Charles Martin. Uh, just quickly, <laughs> wanted to go to Groves. Uh, the Groves fight. Um, what I don't understand is why, when Groves fights someone of genuine world-class quality, he fails, seemingly. And the only other time that you like, he seemed, what I'm what I'm kind of getting at is he either fights total knobhead to be beat. Yeah, or or he fights people of genuine quality and loses. Where is his level? Where is his place in boxing? I don't, like, yeah, he does fight. Not like his last fight was Andre De Luisa, useless, and he smashed him. This fight, David Brophy, useless, and he smashed him. Put him up to world level, and he's, you know, maybe he is about there. He very very closely lost to Badu Jack. You know, we all know about the Frotch, you know, two fights. What level is it? I don't know. Like, it, put him in with the Gale again. Like, just get it out of the way. If he loses, <laughs> he can retire. Yeah, it just seems to me when I look at when I look at him. Sometimes I think, right. So he's got fair few people know his name. He's a like you look uh, look at say that the hundred meters for men at the moment. You've got like Tyson Gay. You've got Usain Bolt. And you've got Yusef Powell. Now Yusef Powell always tends to come about third or something. Yeah. So if it was the same talented box, it's like Yusef Powell loses against Tyson Gay and Usain Bolt. Then he goes and races. Like at pub events and beats everyone, it's like oh he's ready for his next challenge. Runs again, loses, goes back to the pub scene. That's that's the yeah. sort of comparison. I mean, it's it's Derek Chisora all over again. Oh, uh, yes, but they, but at least with Derek Chisora, that it looks uh, 
people who beat him tend to be world superstars. I'm, I'm not saying, well, I say Frotch and Bailey Jack are the only two, right? Yeah. And, and then decent boxers. So it just feels like Derek Chisora has a place, mainly because of the, the size of the division. So like we talked about him maybe, you know, a journeyman, a gatekeeper kind of. Is that what Groves has got to look forward to? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you can say he's at world level still because he did so, or he was so close against Badu Jack and, as I say, the Frotch fights. But I don't know. Like, there's such a leap between fighting David Brophy on Saturday night and fighting James DeGale. Can you can you make the argument that, that Groves has a larger, more significant following than someone like Chisora? Yeah, I mean, he's more known just off the back of the Frotch fights, for instance. That marketability of of what he's been through. Which is weird, considering Chisora's fit and fought Klitschko, Hay. He's always seems Fury, to, yeah, twice. He seems to have been, like, the... Who is he fighting? All oh, right, Yeah. Guy, um, you know? No, there's something about Groves, I think. He's a bit of a pantomime villain as well. Um, you know, he's easy to dislike. I don't know. Um, he'll get another shot at World Title, I'm sure he will. But, uh, okay. Yeah. We've probably spent more time on him than his fight even lasted. So let's move on. Joshua Martin. To the Joshua Martin. So when um <laughs> when this when we were sitting there, when we spoke about this last week and we were sitting there watching it together, it was sort of like right, who what is how good is Martin? And it was And then we saw his shorts and we realised <laughs> quite how good he was. I love the fact that um okay, so tell the story about the shorts. Uh, well, apparently, his, he didn't try on those shorts. That's what I've heard. He didn't try on those shorts until the morning of the fight, and then they didn't fit properly, but it was too late, so he had to go ahead with these ill-fitting shorts. <laughs> didn't have a robe <laughs> organised. I think they saw that out on the day. I think his, his manager didn't fly over from America, by all accounts. Um, so it seems like, despite the fact you've gone entourage of 50-odd people in the ring yeah. with him, it doesn't seem like they were that well prepared. What, I'd be asking the question, what have those 50 people been doing for the last week? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Obviously not sorting out, sorting out their clothes, because the guy that turned up, who looked like literally a gangster from the Bronx... What did he turn up with his dreads and in a vest? Like, come on, mate. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. Looked like he'd literally been dug out of a skip or something. Yeah. Um, but the one thing he did remember to bring was that hideous crown that he wore on the he, way out. Yeah, what a crown as well. <laughs> been Toys R Us before. I, I had a friend who said it would have been easier for everyone if he had just walked in and given Joshua the belt. <laughs> he's just basically yeah. been paid to come over to England. What he's to he sold belt. it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. sold it for what? Like I think it was three, four million quid or whatever. He's been paid. That's and what he's. The obvious question that came up in my mind was. Was this the IBF wanting uh, Gashkov? Was it Glashkov? Glashkov. Was it wanting him to take the belt and therefore putting him up for someone like, do you remember the Cobra that Hay's going against? Yeah. yeah. Right. So let's, I think we can safely put Hay, the, the, the Cobra and, and Martin to the same kind of category of boxer, undefeated, well, up till Saturday for, for Martin, but both terrible Shite, boxers. Yeah. Um, so was it was it them getting the <coughs> IBF belt ready for Glashkov to then go maybe but he's where is Glashkov as, as no a slight idea. digression no yeah, idea so, so he's not a well known no no no, <coughs> no. Well, it was okay. a shambles that he was ever fighting Martin you know he's in a mandatory position in that place anyway like, it felt like in that case that the, the IBF said to Fury right you're going to take this fight next Fury went 
No, I'm not because I've got the clicker. No, you're going to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to take the belt off you. Well, I can't. Oh, shit. I didn't think you were actually going to say no. No, I don't think... They didn't want Fury as their champion. They didn't? No. I don't think so. Yeah, I'd suspect that's the case, but... Yeah. So then what so, happens if he fights Joshua and wins? That's what he's stripping <laughs> me. He don't care. Like a boomerang belt. <laughs> yeah, he don't care. So, yeah, that Joshua fight was just awful. Like, we were sat watching it thinking, he'll throw a punch in a minute. They won't. And whether he felt Joshua's power, like, early on and therefore just was so tentative about it. But at least have a go. Like, that was nothing at all. That was as bad as the Gary Cornish fight. As bad as. I'd love to see... Uh, what fight I would love to see would be Martin versus Audie Harrison. Yeah, tremendous. That'd yeah, be see great. who can fall asleep in the ring first. <laughs> yeah. Because he did throw... Well, we gave him the benefit of the doubt off the first round, didn't we? All the measuring each other. I'll be feeling it out, yeah. And you'd heard through the grapevine that you know, Martin had, could hit hard and he was, you know, so, oh, he could be a beast here. And it was almost like we'd seen... <laughs> I don't know, a few things came together. We'd seen Dillian White only a few months ago coming to the ring, not looking like a boxer by comparison to to AJ, thinking, we could give this guy a go when you're looking at Martin, because just because he didn't look like, you know, a beach body, no. Yeah, but also, I mean, Dillian White had troubled Joshua with that left hook. Charles Martin's a southpaw, therefore you think it must encourage him that Joshua's susceptible to being hit with that left, you know, anything from the left. But you, you don't know from that because he didn't throw a punch. Like that was, and you see the prick sitting on the canvas, like smiling as the rest counting him, and then he can conf- like he doesn't get up by eight, and then protests about it. Like, what are you- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> yeah, trust absolute me. shambles. A, two more seconds is not going to help you that much. Nah. Just get up. If you were, if you're going to win this fight, you're going to need more than a two second break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the second so, round, I, I don't know. And then the whole ticker tape thing at the end. Oh. Joshua looked embarrassed by it. I thought um, it looked like he was embarrassed by what had gone on and what had happened. It's not Joshua's fault. Don't get no, me wrong. I, like, I, yeah, I know what you uh, and. And if he went on and beat, let's say he beats Fury first, let's just say his his fight in the autumn is against Fury, and at that point they're both still champions, but Deontay Wilder still holds the WBC. At at the end of that, let's say AJ wins and he's got three belts. He's not the undisputed champion of the world, but he's beat Fury in, let's say, it goes the distance. At that point... You can see the ticker tape, but he's still not got like the greatest achievement in the world because he's, st- he's still not the undefe- not the undisputed, right? He's still achieved something akin to I don't know every in- every team every player getting injured and then England winning the World Cup by default. Yeah, they still won the World Cup. He still won the heavyweight championship. I realise it by com- by who he was fighting. It didn't seem that much of an achievement. But how do you? How do you play that? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, n- it's clearly not Joshua's fault. And like Joshua's an exciting fighter who hopefully we'll have for years to come and he'll be in better fights than that. So it's not to hate on Anthony Joshua. It's to hate on fucking Eddie Hearn getting a ticker tape out. You prick. Like, really? <laughs> if, if you want people to really dislike what's going on, get some ticker tape out and celebrate it like he's just achieved everything there is in this. Because what do you do next? If he wins... You know, if he legitimately went on and beat Fury and became the undisputed champion, if he then cleaned up against Wilder, we well, can have a flyover. <laughs> Indoor fireworks. Yeah. Do you know, 
I don't, I would, I can't I, my biggest complaint would be is that it's out of character for Joshua. His modest sensibility, the way that he conducts himself, <laughs> ticker tape is not <laughs> in line with that. Yeah, and they brag about how humble he is. And to be fair, again, like he looked embarrassed by it. It's not to say that it was his fault. I saw but, a, a great uh, interview with him. Uh, I think it was on the BBC website where he sort of said, "Oh, what you, you know, what you saying about Fury?" He said, "You know, after Fury said this," and he said, "Well, I don't really want to talk about other boxers." Like at the end of the day, he's just seen what a beach body can do. A beach body and a heavy punch can do, I think is what he said. So maybe you should take some advice and, and sort of like clean himself up. I thought it was as as close to the wire of a nasty comment as you're going to get from him, yeah. which I kind of respected. Like I like the fact that he doesn't feel the need to rip someone to shreds. Even though I like Tyson Fury, I sometimes it's the opposite with him. I just I think to myself, it's almost like you're conducting yourself like somebody, this is in reference to Fury, who doesn't have any talent, who just gobbing off for the sake of it. But yet he does, and, it, and that, I find that frustrating. But they're two different ends of the personality spectrum, aren't they? That You've got true. Fury, you know, I was watching yesterday an old clip of him in a press conference before he was fighting, I can't remember who it was. <clears throat> it was going back a couple of years. But he was sat in this press conference with no T-shirt on, a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> just saying, if I can't beat him, then I'm shit. Like, <clears throat> it's the same kind of thing he said in quite a lot of them. But then he just started going like, Klitschko's a pussy and so-and-so's a... <laughs> like, yeah, you're not going to get that out of Anthony Joshua. Um, you know, even when he has that personal rivalry with Dillian White, he still doesn't badmouth him particularly. He just, you know, says that he's going to go and do a job. And he does a job. So... The PR spectrum, like they're two different ends of it, mm. that Eddie Hearn closely manages Anthony Joshua's PR and he backs that up by, you know, coming across as a very nice and down to earth bloke. Whereas Fury is quite happy to gob off and, you know, goes off on Twitter at people and Is it because Fury to some extent has to rely on self promotion? Yeah. Um, you know, like Mick Hennessy as promoter isn't the biggest promoter out there. He doesn't have the same platform as like Hearn and that. I think it is just who Fury is, and that helps sell who he is and his fights. So he's just being himself, I suspect, just as to an extent Joshua is. But they, as in all walks of life, they're two very different people. Um, and you've got to pick and choose who, who you like. Yeah, and like, who wouldn't want to see them in a press conference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must admit it's it's more more and more an enticing now that Joshua seems to. I mean, how many people do you put in front of him to get knocked out before you say, all right, well, we've just got to try him? I mean, how many fights he had now? 16? Yeah. And Mike Tyson was a world champion at, what, 21 fights? Oh, don't use that comparison. But, but, what no. but what I mean is, I mean, the amount of fights, how many, how many fights do you have before you put him up against someone like Fury? How yeah. many fights is he supposed... How much more can he learn if he keeps knocking people out? Yeah, but I mean, you shouldn't be learning when you have a world title. You should now be fighting. And I had this conversation on Twitter. I think we're going to discuss it later on about potential opponents. I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter yesterday. I just said, wouldn't it be nice, and I know it's not going to happen, but wouldn't it be nice if they just put him in with elite fighters now? Like... And somebody said, you know, well, who Which is would hard you to argue that Charles Martin isn't one of those, at the very least. It's not hard to argue after well, Saturday. Well, no, not, no, not after can... Saturday. But before that, but he was a world title holder. So it's like, okay, well, at least if I get rid of him, I've got to 
I've got a belt. Yeah. So now that he's got that belt, wouldn't it just be nice if they put him in with, <clears throat> you know, yeah. straight away, Luis Ortiz? Uh, I'll say, you know, you could wait. You've got Wilder Povetkin coming up in a month or so. <clears throat> and Hearn's talking about wanting July as a date for Joshua's first July the 9th, bizarrely. Yeah. Uh, come on to that. I mean, yeah. But why not wait? Why not see if you can get the Wilder fight next? Like, or the winner of Wilder Povetkin. You know, you've got Carlos Takam and Joshua Parker fighting a, an eliminator coming up, I think, next month as well. Eliminator for... For Joshua's title. So... Which... Would that be for a mandatory? Yeah, for a mandatory, which, which should be in January, January next like, year. Yeah. Um, why not offer it to one of them? Like, sort of offer it to the loser of them. You know, leave the one with the mandatory position. They're both decent enough fighters. You've got Luis Ortiz out there. You've got the Pavekin Wilder. The WBA interim? Luis Ortiz yeah. is, yeah. Um, you know, you've got this crop at the top that are seen as the best. Well, you know, if Fury beats Klitschko, uh, but, but uh, I mean, okay, so I realise, and I and I can totally see why it would it would frustrate you like that. But in order for this to be a justified frustration, we've got to see what the next fight's going to be, right? No, because they they Hearn did an interview like day after Joshua wins it, and they were talking about who the potential opponent's going to be. And he was quite open about it. It's probably going to be. Either Malik Scott, who got wiped out by Deontay Wilder in a round or two rounds. He got beaten <laughs> by fucking Derek Chisora. Um, so it's going to be either Malik Scott or Bermain Stavern, who Wilder beat for the title a year and a half back now. And he's fought once since, which went to a decision against someone that's crap. Um, it could be Duhapas, who Wilder beat. It could be Molina, who Wilder beat. Why it could be Chisora, you know? Let's not rule that out at all. Yeah. Why do you pick from that selection of fighters? Because I know why. Everyone knows why. It's because Anthony Joshua to... sells. Anthony Joshua doesn't need that elite level of opponent. He's a brand all on his own. They could probably, you know, look at trying to <clears throat> maybe not sell out, but do decent numbers at say Wembley or the Millennium Stadium or whatever later this year. People will go to it. You don't need to get those big names and take those risks just yet. But wouldn't it just be nice? <laughs> but at some stage, he's not going to be able to avoid it, though. Like the two, um, the two fighters you've just said there that that could, you yeah, know, and the eliminator. So I'm assuming that let's say July 9th comes and he fights, you know, Lafferty McBumhead, and he's a total waste of time. Then, then. In January, he's going to have to fight one of these two eliminated boxers anyway. So between July and January, he's got one more fight. And they're talking potentially about Fury then. Do you think they'll arrange Fury for then? Or do you think little problems will arise and just not get done? Um, <clears throat> What, for this year? Yeah. No. Back into this year? You don't no, think I, I don't see it, personally. But I don't know why, why as fans, is it accepted yeah, that he'll take this soft touch? Yeah. It's like, um, it's like Barcelona only choosing to play Real Sociedad and never cho- choosing yeah, to play a decent team. Yeah. You know, like, like, why is, is it acceptable? Yeah. Um, you know, you can say about... <laughs> I saw a really brilliant tweet the other day that was saying fighters ducking other fighters. Actually, it was in reference, I think, to Jamie McDonnell and Lee Haskins. And Lee Haskins has been... You know, he's a world title holder. Jamie McDonald's a world title holder. Same weight division, same country they're from. They fought before Haskins beat him. And Haskins' manager, so I've gone off on a tangent here, but Haskins' manager, Dave Coldwell, uh, who, you know, you'll see him with Tony Bellew and people like that. 
was um, say another relief boxer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> was saying you know like we're not going to take the Haskins fight. There's more money in other fights, kind of thing. And Haskins was saying to him on Twitter like, wouldn't you want to avenge the defeat from before in your career? It's all about money to you lot. Which he was referencing Eddie Hearn as well in that, which is where this kind of links what? back. That's shocking. But I saw somebody tweet later like, imagine the amount of shit Jamie Vardy would get if he came out and said, oh, I'm so buzzing to be in the Champions League next year because I'm going to get a brilliant bonus out of it. <laughs> or, oh, so happy that I'm going to be a Champions League football player. Don't know if I'm going to be of Leicester, though, but I've definitely proved myself this level now, so I'll probably get a trans like showing that it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, it wouldn't happen. And if it did, they'd rightly get slated. But for boxers, it's fine. I know they've got a limited career. I know it's very different circumstances. Vardy will get 30 grand a week regardless, whatever. But, like, I think it's absolutely right that, you know, Joshua's got another 10 years left in the sport. God willing, you know, he doesn't get injured or whatever. Mm. He can clean up money-wise. Like, why not take a risky fight and build a legacy rather than just take a throwaway shitty fight for the money in the summer, but, but which equally, is what they'll equally do. Equally, it could be argued, what's the rush? I mean, that's what Eddie Hearn... Because he's a fucking world title holder. <laughs> Eddie Hearn will say he'll be a world title holder in five years' time. Will he be a helmet then? Frankly, <laughs> like, uh, like I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know. Up. I want. I want Shut to up. see <laughs> him fight decent fighters. Of course, I do. I want to see if he could knock out Tyson Fury. I want to see if he could knock out. I don't know someone like Klitschko. Maybe like if Klitschko was to lose against Fury, well, why not fight yeah, Andy exactly. Joshua? You know things like that. Um, but. Yeah, I can totally see it's not going to happen. No, it's so not. I'd like it to. <laughs> and you know you're going to get Wilder's leftovers or I say somebody of that level. It's painful. Like, mm. I, I, it'd be frustrating to see a bloke who gets blown away by someone at the same level as him, if not below. You know, yeah. if, if he was to fight, if if you if he gets to fight someone who got blown away by Dillian White, what's the point? <laughs> but I can see it being Bermain Stavern who. Wilder beat for the title. That would not surprise me one little bit. A guy who has fought once in like eighteen months. Former heavyweight, world former heavyweight champion. Contender. Wilder couldn't stop him. Um, you can see they build a story around it already. God forbid, it'd be useless. So literally, the bit, the biggest and best heavyweight fight we've got this year is either already gone with AJ and White or Fury Klitschko. Yeah, which is a rematch. Yeah, I'd suspect so. Right, okay, let's move on. Let's get out of the way the Klitschko-Fury rematch, given that we've just spoken about uh, Fury uh, and Klitschko. And that announced for July the 9th in the Northwest. Yeah. <clears throat> but we don't know where exactly yet. No, no. So you'd suspect like your first hunch would be Manchester. We are discussing this the other day, weren't uh-huh. we? That- or you booked hotels. Uh, in- yeah, I mean, I've I've booked a hotel in Bolton or near Bolton, man, just outside of Manchester and towards Bolton, and one in Manchester. Yeah, in case something goes off. I don't. To be honest, um, there was actually, you know, this is the going briefly back to AJ again. I was considering, oh, have I, have I booked the wrong fight potentially? You know, if Anthony Joshua takes on somebody decent on the night, it's easier to get to London for me in the position I am. Like, I just, I just get down to there. Now I'm thinking that I'd rather it, go and see Fury Klitschko because I actually like my. I've got a friend who who said, "Oh, lots of heavyweight fights just happen like that, mate." I'd, you know, the knockouts and all that sort. Of, well, I do like a knockout as much as anyone else, 
to some extent, but I like to see a bit of a fight first. I want it. I want to see a battle of attrition that's ended by a spar count. Now I realise it's a it's a delicate balance, and you can't choose when somebody gets knocked out. But the best fights for me are a knockout in round eight, a bit like um, Frotch and Groves. Yeah, you know that was ooh, a bit shaky at the beginning, like ooh, and then bang, he goes out, and you're like, okay, that was I, I've had some value for money there. Whereas, not that it's going to be the biggest criticism uh, or the worst thing that he's ever going to have to face, but Joshua is not value for money at this point in time because all his end fights end so quickly. Whereas at least with Fury Klitschko, people said it was boring. It wasn't for me. I enjoyed it. And I'd like to go and see something like that. A, a battle of attrition. Yeah. You know, so more I, of a chess match. Yeah. Would you hope you'll get out of Joshua one day when he finds an opponent that is good enough to stand with him? Yeah. So Fury Klitschko, Northwest. Um yeah, well, Manchester's the obvious choice. I've, I don't know. Right, so let's explain why I booked a hotel in Bolton. It was mainly off what you'd said to me. As a curveball, you said that he could end up fighting in Bolton Stadium. Yeah, maybe. they have quite a lot of links to Bolton, the Fury team. They train at Bolton's football ground. Hasn't, hasn't um, Amir Khan fought there? I don't know, actually. Is he a, is a Bolton Stadium? He's, he's a Bolton maybe. fan. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm getting mixed but, up. Uh, yeah, that no, is... Um, you know they've got links to the club. They've only said at the moment it's in the northwest, so bit of a curveball. It could end up, you know, because it's in Manchester. You've either got the Men or you've got Old Trafford, and it's possibly arguable whether it'd sell Old Trafford out. I don't know. Yes, City fans, we are aware that there's the Etihad. Yeah, but, but as in, he's a United fan, as he's a United fan, <laughs> and if you're going to choose between stadiums, it's obviously going to be United's ground, and then they're about, you know, City isn't significantly smaller enough. For them to go, we won't sell Old Old Trafford, but we definitely sell yeah. out the Etihad. Plus, for football, it's a soul of shit, old. So. <laughs> he's not even a United fan. I was first fan, but it's, it's a terrible place to. You know, no, I know that's down to paper plastic fans that City have got. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yes. Um, um, but also, the Men seems too small. The Men seems too small. Old Trafford seems too big. Possibly, Bolton's ground is a, a middle ground that could. Uh, you know, could do a job. Yeah, it's so, thirty thousand yeah. rather than having to rely on sixty thousand. So, given we we had the potential, I uh, like I said, I um, I went, I'll just book with a cancellation policy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and no, no money down. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, we that's potential. Is there much to say about it? I and mean, clearly, we'll talk about it closer. No, to the time, not really. When more details come out, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Okay. Just um. Briefly moving back to Anthony Joshua, not so much Anthony Joshua, but I'm thinking if he is a knockout machine, what's the precedent for that? I mean, you look over the heavyweight boxing division over the last 20 years, say, is it, you know, I don't know enough about it historically, is it literally only Tyson who's been in that sort of like boom, boom, you know, knockout um, power? He's like, the most, Deontay Wilder's the other one right now, you know, his first 30 fights or whatever all ended by knockout. They're all against crap. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, they built him up as this knockout artist. The only fight he didn't stop was Bermain Stavern when he won the world title. So my, my kind of question is is getting towards... So the last... Actually, uh, so but the last boxer to have been a knockout machine but also faced elite boxers... Are we looking at Tyson? Yeah. And eventually, w- what did he come up against first? Was it his own self-destruction or was it against a boxer that was good enough? No, no, it was a self-destruction. Um, he fell apart and he was out on the piss shagging women and what have you and uh, 
he got done by Buster Douglas over in Japan, I think it was. Um, yeah, just of his own downfall. So, so, so basically, he didn't meet his match. Kind of. No, no, he brought himself down to his match. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So what? Yeah. Because I was looking for is if if Anthony Joshua dominates his division like this. Okay. Now, actually, I'll tell you what. I'll ask you a hypothetical question. Do we have faith that he's not just going to wipe the entire heavyweight division out? Because yeah. I don't want that to happen, if I'm completely honest. I don't want him to just wipe it clean with two-round, three-round knockouts. He's not going to... There's no way... I don't see it personally that he wipes out Tyson Fury in two rounds. Or Klitschko. Um, Wilder maybe, because Wilder's very similar to Joshua, that they're both going to stand and try and bang each other out as soon as possible. There's no tactic necessarily if you put those two in the ring together it's just who hits hardest first whereas with fury you know you wouldn't get that you've seen it with fury he's more tactically minded um no i no you can you can tactically work around joshua do you think yeah i don't see why not he's got no head movement comes forward very linear. He doesn't go off on angles. He works down the middle. Which is something you can't say about Fury. He's, considering he's such a massive lumbering beast, he's fairly agile. Yeah, he's got very good lateral movement out to either side. Uh, you know, his footwork's very good. It's almost the polar opposite of Joshua in that sense. Although Joshua may have those skills, we don't know because they put him in with Toss. So He's never actually had to use them. Yeah, Um Fury had never shown it to that extent till he fought Klitschko, and then that was a bit of an eye opener. So, no, uh, let's get off the fucking bandwagon, the hype train for him. Yeah, and, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm. Hope. I'm definitely not one of. I've there's lots of my mates and people that aren't necessarily mates that I've spoke to who are uh, bang up for Joshua to go and clean up the division and, and like, just fuck off wherever they are. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you, I know you're comprehensively not one of them, but it's not that I don't want him to. It's that okay, like. <laughs> If What's I went the... round sparking out ten year old kids on the street and called myself a knockout artist, yeah, yeah. does that well, make me a knockout yeah, artist? Yeah, I, I see. What I was going to say is what you were saying. There's no foundation for this attitude yet. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's again, I don't blame that on Joshua. I blame it on the fact that Sky and Eddie Hearn sell this vision of him being, you know, able to wipe out any other fighter. Like if this were, um, again, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, Gary Cornish, say. If he were going around wiping out dog shit opponents, nobody would be, you know, banging on about how great he is. Unless, of course, his name was Deontay Wilder. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he seemingly does the, the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, let's leave it. There. Well done to Joshua. As I say, it's not a slight on him; it's a slight on the spin that is put around. Yeah, I get it. what you mean. I do understand. It drives what you're me mental. Okay, let's. I'm sure everyone's had enough now. So let's. Um, Charles Martin was was a clown and got suitably dispatched. Yeah, and, thankfully, uh, piss off to And then we had the appropriate ticker tape parade afterwards. Um, so let's move on to. Um, well, we've we've kind of done. We've just gorged ourselves on the on the juicy stuff. Um, so let's look at potential uh, juicy things coming up. Upcoming fights. You've got. You've. Oh, wait, we're going to go over Pacquiao Bradley. Oh, sorry, quickly. yes, you're absolutely um, right. Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Tim Bradley. Did you see the fight? I didn't, know. no. No, I, I actually, uh, I didn't speak to him. We've got a friend over in the United States that said he was going to watch it. I don't know if he actually caught it was it too late Saturday night. I had to be up Sunday, so no, I haven't caught it yet because I was too hungover yesterday. To <laughs> Has Manny Pacquiao decided to retire now? Apparently, so apparently that was his farewell fight. Um, 
it's a shame. Like you know, Timothy Bradley was still seen as one of the elite welterweights, and Pacquiao seemingly schooled him, dispatched him. You know, it's very different to how Mayweather went out. Mayweather went out kind of almost on the decline in fighting Andre Berto, who nobody really rated particularly. Pacquiao has fought somebody who is rated in the division, beats him comprehensively, and then is going to hang his gloves up. Uh, whether he does or doesn't, we'll see. If the Mayweather opportunity came up again, which you can't rule it out, then... What, with, pa- with Pacquiao? Yeah. Uh, just think of the money it would generate. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. wouldn't he just, like... Wouldn't he just get beaten again? I mean, what- I don't know. He's claimed, you know, he had his shoulder surgery after the fight, and, you know, he said he's a different... He felt different in, in against Bradley. Uh, his shoulder's fully healed, and... Again, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment too much. But you know, he's comprehensively beaten somebody who's one of the top five welterweights in the world. Um, so it does seem a shame that he's going. He's not the same fighter he's been over the years. He's not yeah, the same explosive, you know, mm. powerful fighter. But God, he's he's still good in that division. How old is he? He's thirty-six, I think. This like actually makes it kind of. If you if you put Mayweather in with him, you can't. At least you can't say that. Say, for example, ah, uh, if if Mayweather does it, you can't go. Well, he's past his prime because if he loses Pacquiao, Pacquiao's definitely past his prime too. So yeah, it's a fair fight because of the stage yeah. that they're at. But I mean, wouldn't this be a great one for like? This is where Eddie Hearn ought to put his hand in his pocket and pay Pacquiao whatever it needs to bring him over to fight Kell Brook. Like, Kell Brook fights nobodies every single time. Like he needs a name to substantiate himself in that division as one of the best welterweights. I, it would be mad. If that's who, who? Okay, first my first thought was Khan. Wouldn't Pacquiao prefer to fight Khan if he was going to fight Kell Brook? He was going to pay him more, I suppose. Is probably what it comes down to. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, Kell Brook is in his weight division. He's a world champion. Oh, he's moved up now, hasn't he? Is in theory, yeah, yeah, for one night only. Um, to get banged out. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, surely if Eddie Hearn could do that, all the grief he gets from fans and what have you for putting his fighters in with poor opposition, if he could just... You know, that would sell out. That would sell out, you know, a decent you know, Sheffield United football ground or whatever, which is where Brooks always said about wanting to fight... Yes, it would cost him a lot of money to get Pacquiao over. We know that, <laughs> but come on, like that would be an ideal scenario to, you know, potentially legitimise Kell Brook as being a, an elite level fighter, which he isn't at the moment because he doesn't get the fights. Okay, but it won't happen. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Pacquiao retires. A very illustrious career. Yeah, he's had. I thought it was a shame he lost to Mayweather. If I'm completely honest, I, I mean. I'm not. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I wanted to see Mayweather lose, but you know, never mind. Wasn't going to be. Let's move on to the Leeds fight night on Saturday. But I, I've, I know nothing about it, so you'll have to leave me on this. Okay. What's coming up? Um, Josh Warrington versus is, is this that night? Yeah, this is. I Josh mean, there's... Warrington versus Hish, Hish, Hishashi Amagasa. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Josh Warrington, who's featherweight, uh, looking to fight Lee Selby. Um, this is an interesting fight because Amagasha is coming up from. I mean, he's been around at Super Bantamweight where he fought Rigondeaux uh, a year and a half back. Um, and he dropped Rigondeaux twice in the fight, um, but went on to lose it ultimately. 
So I'm sure Sky will repeat that over and over and over and over and over again on Saturday night that he dropped Rigandale. They'll forget to mention it's in a lower weight division. <laughs> um, they'll say what a brave effort he put up. But, you know, it gives him some legitimacy to coming over and fighting. So if Josh Warrington can do a good job on him, then it sets up potentially a Lee Selby fight in the summer, um, which is what Sky and Eddie Hearn would be hoping for. Um, you know, it's another potential one that they've spoken it's not about. not a massively it? interesting division, is it? Like, does it generate, um, I mean, in terms of its generation of interest. Not overly. It's not gonna. So, it's not gonna be a massively profitable box office smash on its own. It would be like what was Selby Warrington? Um, well, yes, yeah, so I was kind of thinking of unless it were part of a larger night. Uh, no, they would. They do all right because Selby has kind of uh, sorry Warrington even has aligned himself to kind of the Leeds football crowd, and so he's got a very good following up right, there, okay. and he's worked very well. Um, he's not an exciting fighter to watch. Like he doesn't smash people out or anything. This will probably go twelve rounds, you suspect. Um, but they've they've cornered a very niche market up in Leeds. Um, and yeah, like if they could get Warrington versus Selby, there's every chance they could do it at Ellen Road, um, possibly in the summer, and look at a decent sized crowd for it. Which I think is probably where Hearn's trying to kind of aim it at the moment. And so how do you see this game with Warrington and Amagas? Did you see Warrington beating him? Probably. Um, I don't really know a lot about Amagasha rather than the Rigondale fight. And, uh, you know, ultimately he lost it. Rigondale's an elite talent, don't get me wrong. But um, <laughs> I suppose it comes down to my cynicism of Hearn doesn't fly people over to fight his fighters unless he's pretty confident they're going to lose. Um that's what it tends to come down to, so I'd be very surprised. They're very careful with their matchmaking for the likes of Warrington, who's a big draw up in the north. So yeah. I, so the only time he do you think the only time he gets anyone together who might lose is normally if one of his fighters winning that loss, if you like. Hey? Do you know like the only time Eddie Hearn will set up a match where one of his fighters might lose is if he's getting beaten by another one of his fighters. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless it's like a world title opportunity or, yeah, I mean, they're so careful with their matchmaking that makes me think, you know, they probably know something about this guy that means that Warrington will probably sail it. Might be wrong, might be miles off. Um, you've got overseas, you've got Gary Russell Jr. versus Patrick Highland. Yeah. WBC Featherweight Championship. Um. So, yeah, Featherweight, so same weight division. This has gone completely under the radar, really. Same weight division what we're just talking about with Warrington and with Lee Selby. This is a legitimate world title fight. Um, Patrick Highland got one loss on his record. Um, and he's going over to America to take on a very, very good Gary Russell Jr., whose only loss was to Lomachenko uh, for a world title fight. Um, I think Russell has too much for him and will probably beat him. Um, probably stop him, I'd suspect. But it's a great opportunity for Highland. He's a, a, I don't know if he's Northern or Republic of Ireland. Apologies, but um, he's very much under the radar of kind of all the same, mate. All the same yeah. in it, same accent. <laughs> I'm gonna get stabbed. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a shame for him because he doesn't get the profile going over to America now to go and take this. He's had a few fights over in America. Um, being a home fighter almost that doesn't get the recognition whether he would if he won it I don't know but uh, it would set up a potential unification with Selby 
Um, but I think Russell will probably uh, have too much for him. Uh, okay, we might have featherweight fans bemoaning this, but I'm just going to go. I'm going to move on. Um, I was going to move. I've just spent loads of time talking about the heavyweight division. We've had two featherweight fights that are actually coming up, and I'm just going to skip over them. Unless you have anything more to add? No, no, not really. Um, and the last one we have in the show notes is Jose Pedraza versus Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith, <laughs> the yeah. IBF super featherweight title. Yeah, okay, so... Um, Where's it taking place? Over in America again. Um, Stephen Smith is the second of the Smith brothers who's looking to win a world title. Well, the third, technically, because Paul Smith tried and failed. Um, you've got Liam Smith, who's already light middleweight champion of the WBO. Um, and yeah, so it's the third of the Smith brothers trying to win a world title. Uh, it's a hell of a task. Um, Pedraza's undefeated. He's a, from what I've seen of him, he's a very, very good fighter. Um, Smith's only got the one loss on his record, which was to Lee Selby down at Featherweight, um, going back a few years now. So, yeah, he's he's done well, and he's like he's built himself to that level. He's undoubtedly like a worthwhile title changer, and that'll probably be the fight of the weekend. I suspect that one. Um, Is he on TV? I don't know actually. Mm. Um, possibly on Sky. I suspect it'll be you know one of the late late ones. Um, oh right, because if he's in America, it'll be yeah. Silly uh, so I, I don't, I don't tend to. <laughs> I won't be waking up for it. I've got children. I don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so I'll try and catch it at some point after. But uh, that's probably going to be the fight of the weekend. That one undoubtedly would be uh, Pedraza Smith. And, uh, again, it's a shame. Like there's been so little recognition. You know, you've got two fighters going over to America fighting for world titles. Um. And they're not getting the headlines for it. Yeah. But, uh, and they're legitimate world titles as well. They're not ones that have been stolen off of somebody, like the Fury one given to, you know, bought by Eddie Hearn for Anthony Joshua. It's, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, fucking daddy's put his hand in his pocket to buy you a belt. Um, you know, if these lot win it, they've legitimately gone out and, and beaten good world class fighters for their titles. Um, but you won't hear about it particularly. Well, lamentable. Yeah. On that, on that down note. Yeah, on that down note. Don't bother tuning again, I suppose. It's just depressing. <laughs> uh, we hope you have enjoyed this uh, unscheduled, is is what it probably would be. I mean, but as you know, actually, as anyone listening to this for more than, say, two or three podcasts, will know that we don't really have a schedule anyway. Make up to go on, mate. <laughs> yeah. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we will get back to you. Probably in the next 10 days, you might hook something together this weekend or something like that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. See what yeah. happens. That's pretty much how we run things around here. So, thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Take it. Yeah.